Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? It's good to have you with us. Uh, quickly, before we jump into today's message, next week, if you're new to Thrive and want to learn more about Thrive, we're having a free lunch for you. Um, if you want to pretend that you're new and wear a mustache and a hat then, and sneak in, you can do it, but it's called our Connect Gathering. And so if you're new with us, make sure to be here next week after our worship service in the cafe uh, for free food. I'd love to tell you more about Thrive. And if you're new with us, uh, we're now starting a series called Stranger Things in the Bible. Uh, some of us on the staff may be fans of the Netflix series Stranger Things. We may or may not be, as you can tell. But I'm excited because over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about stranger things in the Bible, things that you probably haven't thought of or haven't heard or maybe have not, not gone in, as in depth. Like today, we're going to talk about the strange thing about heaven. Next week, we're going to talk about the strange thing about hell. And so I'm excited to go with these next two weeks. And so let me ask you this. Uh, during the COVID lockdown, where you could have, when it first started, how many of you really enjoyed not getting able to go out and about and see anyone? You didn't get to talk to anyone. You had to wear a mask while you walked by yourself uh, outside. Like, to me, did anyone just think that was the best thing ever and want to do it again? Maybe one or two weirdos are in here right now. I'm joking. But, but for all of us, it wasn't a good time. We were isolated. We were bored. If you were like me, I burned through so many series. I watched The Last Dance. I watched, uh, I watched all the Marvels movies, the Avengers, because those sports were on, right? Like, we just, those two, three weeks at first were really tough. Um, you, you know, you couldn't be around friends. People through COVID went through a lot of depression and faced uh, just, especially teenagers, extreme boredom. The reason I say that is this. Many times when the picture of heaven is painted by our media and culture, it's pictured as people um, with wings on clouds playing harps. Like, like when you think about heaven, like what will heaven be like? Some of us are like, I don't really know. And think about those who don't, don't know the Lord or haven't been exposed to it. They have no clue what heaven really is. And so many times we equate heaven like a COVID lockdown. We're going to be alone on a cloud. <laughs> playing an instrument that we don't know how to play that seems boring, and I have no idea what we're going to be doing up there. have no clue. And so what I want to do today is help you understand and get a biblical picture of some strange things about heaven that you probably didn't think of. And if you have your notes handy, write this down, because here is today's big idea. Here's what I want you to know, and here's what we're going to unpack is this. Heaven won't be boring. That sounds simple, but heaven won't be boring. And what I want you to understand is that Genesis chapter 1, when you first see God creating the heavens and the earth, and he creates Adam and Eve and mankind, and they're in the garden there, that was the prototype. We were sp supposed to be that way until Adam and Eve ate of the true, uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered, and boom, the curse of sin messed it up. That was the first Adam, Genesis 1. Before they ate, that is a picture of what heaven will be like. It's a prototype. Because in Revelation 21, God restores everything that was lost. The first Adam ate of the fruit of a tree and sin entered. The last Adam, Jesus, was hung on a tree, the cross, where God can now restore all things and make it new again. And so when you look at Revelation 21 and Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you see there a picture of what we can kind of expect in heaven. 
and what we can look forward to in heaven. And so what I want to do with understanding that is talk to you about four exciting truths about heaven. And here's the first truth I want you to write down. We're looking at Genesis chapter 1. There will be places to go, things to learn, and work to do in heaven. Look at Genesis 1.27. It says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, or commanded in other translations, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. And God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant through the earth and all the trees for your food. I have given every green plant as food for, for all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, and everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he made, and he saw that it was very good. The first thing he does here is he tells Adam, he commands him. Now realize that Adam had complete fellowship with God. Right? Complete unbroken fellowship. God just came and hang out, hung out in the garden with him. He walked along in the garden with him. He was there with him. It was just normal to have an angel guarding something there and God come hanging out with him. And it's a picture of kind of what heaven will be like. And think about it. Adam had to learn. God said to him, God commanded him, you don't have to command and tell people to, to do stuff that don't have to learn. So the first thing you have to understand is this. Adam had to learn something, right? And then he gave Adam work to do. He said, I've given you all of this here. He had gardens that he had to tend. He had to go name all the animals. That was a lot of exploration, a lot of learning, a lot of figuring things out and, and going out. He had places to go. God said, fill the earth and govern it. You said, well, how's that compared to heaven? Well, in Revelation 21, God will create a new heavens and a new earth. For John said, I behold, and we'll look at this in a second, I see the, the new city, the new Jerusalem coming down, and I, there's a new heavens and a new earth. So realize this, what we're living in now is not what will be. It's going to be way better. And so in heaven, we're going to have things to learn. You say, learn? I don't have to learn anything else. I'll, I'll be in heaven. I'll be perfect. You'll be morally perfect but you will not be God. God is the only one who knows everything and who can be everywhere and has all power. You will not have that. You will still have a chance to learn. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth that you have to learn about. Who knows what type of creatures that God will have in the new heavens and the new earth? Who knows what, you know, what will be around? We'll still have learning to do. If you're still not convinced, think about this, Jesus. It says in Luke 2.52 that Jesus grew in stature and favor and wisdom, even the Son of God had to learn. Even Jesus had to learn when he was on earth. He didn't go into his daddy's carpentry shop and do everything perfect at the first time, right? There's things you've got to learn, right? So I want to submit to you that you have things that you have to learn in the new heavens and the new earth. If you love to learn, maybe you'll get to learn about the animals there. Learn about the new plants. Learn about the new places that God has created, that it'll be a, a chance to learn things. Because you will not be uh, all-knowing, right? You're not, not going to get to heaven and say, hey, man, I got it all figured out. There'll be things to learn. The other thing you've got to realize, too, is that there will be places to go. It's a new heavens and a new earth. And so I feel like if you like to explore, my wife and I love to travel. 
We love adventure. We're, we plan travel all the time. Like we're planning a, a six national park tour in a camper van coming up this fall. We can't wait to go see all that. One of our goals is to visit all the national parks. And we're excited. I believe this. We have a longing for heaven when we do that because we'll have places to go. If you think the Grand Canyon is beautiful now, wait to God restores all things. Have you ever seen Fixer Upper when you, they, they first walk into the house and they're like, ooh, and the, like, they show you the, the roaches and the food. It's just, it's terrible. It's horrible. I mean, like, they're like gagging and all that. And then if you fast forward to the end of the show, they had that canvas there with, with Chip and Joanna, that big thing, and they roll it backwards and they're like, ah, it's so good. Like, they're just blown away how beautiful it is. God is going to do a Fixer Upper on, on earth and the heavens. It's going to be amazing. And we'll have places to go. He told Adam, you've got to go govern and fill the earth. And so I can't wait to explore and see all the things that God has created here. The other thing is this, you'll have work to do. Oh, I've got to work in heaven. Oh. Well, realize uh, when Adam worked in the garden, it was worship. It was fun. It was something he loved to do. It only became a curse after sin entered. And he said, then the sweat of your brow, that's the curse that mankind's going to have. You'll have work to do in heaven. Think about this. Uh, some jobs won't translate. You won't need me anymore. You're going to have somebody way better teaching you about, about stuff. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, but you'll have people who actually, like, if you're an artist or you want to be an artist, maybe it's not your, you'll get to draw, maybe draw pictures and paint. If you like to work with animals, this is going to be amazing. The lion and the lamb will lay down together. You'll get to hang out and wrestle and play with lions and bears, and they're all just hanging out. If you love animals, that's maybe what you'll get to do. Or maybe it's writing poems, singing songs. We'll be singing worship to God. If you're on the worship team, your job will translate to heaven. We're not going to need lawyers. There'll be no, no uh, disputes and lawsuits. We're not going to need firefighters because all the fire will be contained in hell. <laughs> We're not going to need doctors. Like my wife's in the medical field, so she'll have to, she, she loves to travel. Maybe she'll be a travel agent there, and she can show you all the cool places to go. But there'll be work to do there. We'll have plants. We'll have animals. We'll have, it's a new heavens and a new earth in Revelation 21. You're not just floating around in space, right? Floating around on a cloud somewhere. There'll be things to learn. I'm excited. There'll be work to do, and there'll be places to go in heaven when God restores all things. Now, before we move to the next point, what happens then when you die now? Because that's Revelation 21. Well, you're ushered into the presence of God. Immediately as a believer, you never taste death. If you're a follower of Jesus, the moment you breathe your last, you never taste death. You go straight into the presence of God, fullness of joy. So your loved ones who knew Jesus, amen? I watched my mom breathe her last breath. She, when the moment that last breath ended, she went into an utter bliss utter joy, utter just absolutely amazement in his presence. And we'll be there until God has the final judgment, everything's done, and then the new heavens and the new earth come. So the first thing is this, you'll have work to do, places to go, you have things to learn. That's exciting. The second exciting truth about heaven is this, is that we will get to live alongside of marvelous angelic beings. Now, in Revelation, you can see this in the first several chapters when John is, you know, kind of sees these beings. He can't really make out what they are. But in Ezekiel 1, 5 through 14, look what Ezekiel saw in the Old Testament. He was a prophet. 
And it says, from the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except, and realize this is an ancient guy trying to describe what he saw, except each had four faces and four wings. The legs were straight, their feet had hooves like those of a calf and shone like burnished uh, bronze. Under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. So each of the four beings had four faces and four wings, and the four wings of it, each living being touched the wings of, uh, beside it. Each one moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. He's like, man, this is marvelous. This is crazy. Each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right, face of the ox on the left, and a face of the eagle at its, at its back. Each had two pairs of outstretched wings, one pair out to touch the wings of the living beings on either side of it, and one pair to cover its body. They went in whatever direction the Spirit chose, and they moved straight forward in any direction, he says again, without turning around. The living beings looked like bright coals of fire or brilliant torches, and lightning seemed to flash back and forth among them, and the living beings darted to fro like flashes of lightning. You know, I told you that if you like to explore, even if you like to learn, that's like a longing for heaven, right? Like we all were, we had this longing. I believe this. Are there any Marvel Avengers fans in here? Anybody the Marvel fans, right? Is there anybody who loves to like study about maybe aliens? Are they out there? And you kind of get, let's just be honest. Like that, that, as a kid, that was always, I think that's a longing for this right here. Because in the garden, they were alongside of angelic beings. You and I in heaven will live alongside of creatures who are absolutely awe, awesome and will leave us awestruck. If you think of like the Avengers as being cool, and I would love, that'd be awesome if they were real. Think about these guys. They will blow your mind. As a matter of fact, when people say they see angels and, and they talk to these, I saw an angel and it came up and it told me this. I'm like, you didn't see an angel, honey. I don't know what you saw, but when John saw an angel, he felt as though he was dead. He thought it was God. He was like, ah. Oh. The guy's like, get up, get up, get up. He's like, oh, man. He was, it scared him to death. They couldn't describe it. It was something that was way beyond their mental comprehension. And we're like, well, I saw a little angel come up. And the angel, I don't, know, I don't know what's in your Kool-Aid. But those aren't biblical angels that we see. We will get to live alongside of them. And think about this. They are eternal. They were with God since the beginning of time when he created them. They saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. They were there when Satan had the, the big rebellion, right? And God kicked him out of heaven. They've seen everything throughout history. There are even angels that are over different geographical regions that fight in the spiritual realms, we're told, especially in Daniel. And these angels, you'll get to only, only be awestruck, but you'll get a chance to talk to them. And maybe they can tell you about times that they had a spiritual battle and what was happening. Maybe they'll tell you about what was happening in the heavens over Russia and Ukraine during our life. Maybe they'll tell you about things they saw throughout history. Doesn't that seem amazing? I cannot wait to see that. You'll be absolutely blown away that you get to live beside things that are greater than our imagination. What Stan Lee created with marble is a longing of the human heart that there's something greater out there. And I know what that is. It's marvelous angelic beings that we'll get to live alongside of. If you don't think heaven's exciting yet, amen? Here's the third truth. We will get to spend time with the most interesting person ever. If I asked you throughout history, and just think about this, don't be spiritual and say Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I just want to be with Jesus. There are people in history I'd love to sit down and talk with, right? 
like Sir Isaac Newton, like he had just a brilliant mind, like, like just tell me, like just different people, somebody got excited about Isaac Newton, right? Like, like think about the most interesting people ever, Dr. King, I'd love to sit with him, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and just talk to him about what he experienced and what he went through. There's so many people there I'd love to just sit and have conversations with. Now, for those who make it to heaven, we'll get a chance to do that with them. You'll find out in the next point, but you'll get to be the most interesting person ever. Look at Revelation 21, verse 1. And this is the Apostle John who's on the island of Patmos, and he had these revelation, this revelation of Jesus and revelation. God showed him what will happen at the end of time. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone. And then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying or pain, and all these things are gone forever. We're going to, God will be with us. You'll get to spend time with the most interesting person ever who is God. And God is not boring. See, culture has presented God as an old man in the sky who's pretty powerless and boring. Can I submit this to you? God's younger than you are. We age, he doesn't. Did you get that? He's eternal. God is young and vibrant. He's eternal. He's exciting. And he can sit down and show us. You know how you used to go to planetariums and you sit back and they'll show you how everything, you know, all this stuff? We're going to get to sit down in God's planetarium. He says, all right, children, today I want to show you how I created the heavens and the earth. And you'll get to see what happened in Genesis 1. He'll get to teach us about the mysteries of the universe. I want to know about Area 51. <laughs> Amen? I want to know about the black hole. I want to know. I'm serious about the Bermuda Triangle. Like all these things on the sci-fi and history channel that I've seen, God is the most interesting person ever. He can tell you why people did what they did throughout history. Why did this action, every question you could imagine, every question that humanity could ever come up with, he'll have the perfect answer for it. And he'll be the most interesting person. You'll get to spend time with God. He, that's why you won't need me anymore. You'll have him teaching you. And think about this. He's not just God. He's our father. He's not a boring father. You know what I do every day with my son? I thought about this this weekend. Every day we plan in the mornings what we're going to do in the afternoons. Because I'm there at 4 o'clock waiting for him to get off the bus. And we make our plans to have fun. I says, buddy, what do you want to do this afternoon? Do you want to go hit some golf balls? He loves that. You want to go ride for a bike ride? Do you want to play some, uh, you know, play with our toys? You want to do that? He thinks they're, they're my toys too, right? He's just convinced adults play with toys. Um, and or, do you want to, do, I mean, we just, like, the options are endless of what we can do every day. And when he gets home, I'm like, buddy, I'm so glad to see you. I give him a hug, and I'm fully devoted to him. I'm not taking phone calls. I'm not working. I'm not trying to get uh, sermons squeezed out. I am spending time with my son because I love him, and we have fun. And do you know that your father's going to be the same way in heaven? He's like, hey guys, what do you want to do today? The universe is at our fingertips. He's going to be exciting. He's going to be interesting. And he's going to want to spend time with you. He's going to want to, just like I wait for my son, think about that. And I'm a human father. I'm a terrible father compared to our heavenly father, right? 
He's the perfect and greatest dad ever, and he wants to spend time with us for eternity. I like to go on bike rides and walks with my son. He's going to take you for a walk. You'll get to share with him, talk with him, all the things on earth that you experienced. He's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. He's going to explain things to you, and he'll give you the greatest comfort that you've ever had. Isn't that amazing that we get to spend time with our father who is not boring, he's not old and tired. He will be young and vibrant, and he can't. If I can't wait for four o'clock every day for my son to get home to see his little face and give him a hug, you just wait till you get to heaven, church. Amen? It's going to be exciting. The last thing, the last exciting truth about heaven is this. We will get to eat. Everybody say amen. And have friendships. Luke 24, 39 through 44, this is Jesus after his resurrection. And remember, Jesus after the resurrection, he is what we will be. The first fruits of all creation, right? He is what we will be. You're not going to be an angel. Your mama is not an angel. Grandmama is not an angel. And she's not looking down on you because you don't want her looking down on everything that you do here. (laughs) We don't turn into angels. That's a big, big myth. We don't do that. God didn't need another angel in heaven. Our bodies get old and we die. That's just what happens. That's life. But what will happen is you and I will have a new body. We'll be a new creation. And Jesus shows us what that will be like. In Luke 24, 39 through 44, he says, look at my hands and look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. He says, touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. No, we won't be ghosts. We don't turn into ghosts. Jesus says, I have a body. I don't know about the scars we'll have. I don't know if I have better tattoos. They're scars. I don't know that like, but Jesus will have his scars in heaven to prove the sacrifice that he made for us. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then they asked him, then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus had a, had a body, and he ate, and he hung out with his friends, talking with them. Guys, in heaven, you'll get a chance to eat, but you're not eating to live. Um, right now, every, my, my whole diet is, is eating to optimize my performance. That's all I want to do, right? I do enjoy some indulgences. I did have pizza last night, guys. I'm human, right? But in heaven, we get to eat to enjoy it. We're like, ooh, I wonder what that berry is. Ooh, we got to try this out. Ooh, I wonder what this is. Now, we're not gonna have any, we won't have meat in heaven. God said kill and eat on earth. He did say that. I'm sorry, vegetarians. He gave Peter a command. I'm being obedient to the Bible by being, uh, you know, an omnivore. If you're a vegetarian, you need to be obedient to God and start eating meat. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> he did tell Peter to kill and eat. But there, we'll get to eat, and we'll get to enjoy it without worrying about how much weight we're going to gain or worrying about if we're going to get some type of blood disorder or diabetes. We just get to go around and eat for worship because God created it for his pleasure and for our pleasure, and we'll get to have friendships in heaven. We'll get to spend time. You know, one of the things I hate, um, one of my best friends is moving in about two months. And it's kind of a, a thing that's like, like loss for me, right? Like I'm feeling like a, like a sense of loss because he'll be moving away. And it's my, my best friend in the world. We'll still talk on the phone. 
But I'm like, man, I just won't get, just get to have lunch when I want to with him or just, I won't get to see his face as much. It's been kind of a sad thing for me. And then I thought about this message. I was even texting him this morning. I said, but the cool thing in heaven, we're going to get to hang out nonstop. Like you'll just get, you don't have to, you, you know, you'll get to have fun with friends and eat with them in heaven and hang out and enjoy their fellowship. Isn't that great that you have friendships in heaven? And that will translate over. See, I think the longing for relationship, the longing for friendship, the longing for laughter. Some of you didn't eat your breakfast and you're longing for, for early lunch right now. Is <laughs> a longing for heaven. Because we were created as eternal beings. And we want that in our life. And so anytime that you enjoy a friendship or laughter here, you get a little taste of heaven. That's why, again, I believe that our COVID lockdown was an internship for hell. And you'll find out why next week. It was not an internship for heaven. An internship for heaven is having fun. It's laughing. You know, you know God is fun? The Bible says God laughs. It does. Read Psalms. Hey, little children came to Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you're, if you're a knot on the log and you have no sense of humor, children will not flock to you. <laughs> Jesus even told like stories that like, Carpenter friends would really laugh at because he gave these hyperboles and these, these really just outrageous things. He's like, hey, don't you think about it. Don't look at the speck in your neighbor's eye when you have this big old log. Like, yeah. And they're like, and back at the, they're laughing like, yeah. Jesus was fun. God has a sense of humor because he created me. <laughs> God will be fun. He created you too. God will be fun. We'll get to laugh. We'll get to enjoy friendships in heaven. So think about this. You're going to have things to do, places to go, and work to do. It's going to be exciting. Cannot wait to travel with my wife in heaven. I may even let some of you come along sometime because it's, it's eternal, and I won't be on a time schedule, right? We're going to be around marvelous, angelic beings that our minds can't even comprehend. It's hard for these ancient writers to write about them when they encountered them. John fell us dead at their feet, and we'll be just be hanging out with them all the time. You're also going to be the most interesting person ever. You'll get to be with your dad. Not your earthly dad, but your heavenly father who loves you unconditionally and who will comfort you and who will care for you and explain every mystery in the world to you and is going to care for you. Well, how can God do that for all of us? Because he's omniscient. He's everywhere at once. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. God can do it. Just trust me. Wait to get to heaven. You'll see. And then you're going to eat and have friendships. Doesn't heaven seem a little less boring now that you won't be on clouds and harps? So here's the thing. Write this down. Don't buy into the cultural lie. Don't buy into the cultural lie. And what I mean by that, Satan has done a great PR job of creating heaven as a boring place and creating hell as this exciting place, right? Remember two days before I gave my life to Jesus, I was at a party and they were singing, I'm on the highway to hell and they're holding up beer saying, yeah, man, heaven's gonna be stupid, man. I can't wait to get to hell. We're gonna party in hell, baby. That's what Satan has sold us is that we're gonna party in hell and heaven's gonna be. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Heaven. And in there, he quotes a sci-fi writer. And the quote is really what Satan has done as a PR job for heaven and hell. The writer says this. He said, I would rather deal with the burden of, heaven, of hell than the boredom of heaven. I would rather deal with the burden of hell than the boredom of heaven. 
And that's what's been painted in our culture. You're going to find out next week what hell's like. You're going to find out who goes to hell, how long they stay there. It's going to be interesting next week. You'll find the strange thing about hell. But here's what I can tell you. Our COVID lockdown was an internship for hell. And you'll find out why. You'll find out that isolation, boredom, depression, all of that for eternity and infinity. And that's not what heaven is. Friends, heaven is going to be exciting. You should never say, man, my loved one's in a better place. It's not like that they moved to a condo on the beach. (laughs) They are in absolute bliss, joy, unexplainable happiness right now. And then when God creates the new heavens and the new earth, we all get to enjoy it together for eternity. It's going to be what he originally wanted in the Garden of Eden. And I cannot wait. But I've got to ask you this question for our close today. Do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, you may say, I'm not sure, Kevin. I'm, I'm not really sure if, if God's going to let me in. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it or not. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm a good enough person. So who goes to heaven? It's people who have been saved. It's people who receive Christ as their Savior. Because God will only let perfection into heaven, and you're not perfect. None of your works can get you into heaven. It's only when you give your life to Christ. Because then the blood of Jesus covers you, you're forgiven of your sins, and when God sees you, he sees Jesus. So you say, I don't really know if I get into heaven. The only way you know is when you stand in front of God, and God's going to say to you, why should I let you in here? If you say, well, God, you know, at that time Thrive, you know, did that series, I bought that shirt and went to missions. All right, well, Stranger Things, it was really cool. So is that good enough? Well, you know, I served a couple times at church. You know, I really, you know, I try to be a good person. That will not be good enough for you. God will say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. It's only when you give your life to Christ. And you're going to find out next week this. You're going to find out this. People who are in hell won't, do not want to go to heaven and will not want to be in heaven. And you'll find out why next week. Because it's the place where Christ, I cannot wait to be with Christ. I cannot wait to worship the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, who took on my wrath as we learned last week. Friends, if you're not sure, I'm going to pray in a few minutes. And when I do, I want you to pray this prayer after me because it's the prayer to receive Christ as your Savior. Because when you stand in front of God, it's going to say, why should I let you in? Because of what Jesus did for me. I couldn't do it on my own. But because of Christ, I accepted him. And that's why I can enter heaven. That's the answer you're going to give him. So if you will this morning, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus. We thank you that there is a real heaven that's going to be exciting for us, Lord. That we have something, a hope to look forward to as is written in your scriptures. Fill our hearts with joy and comfort for our loved ones who knew you, that that have gone on before before us, Lord, to heaven. I pray you would fill us with comfort of what eternity will be like, Lord. And thank you, God, that you're going to prepare a place for us. Comfort us with that. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe you were saying that, I'm not sure if I'll get into heaven or not. I don't don't know if I'm really, I just don't know. If that's you this morning, I want you to seal the deal. Don't leave this place without making this decision. And it's a confession of faith. I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, 
I admit I'm a sinner. And I admit I need the Savior. For I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe he's Lord. Today I make him my Lord. I repent of all my sins. I leave that old life behind. Today I receive new life through Christ. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making heaven as my home. In Jesus' name, amen.